Bring it in, read option pod back with another episode getting you ready for week six in the NFL, week seven in college football, easily our best college football slate so far this year. I think we have four top 25 matchups, uh, a bunch of really good ranked versus unranked games as well. We have six games we're going to go over in our picks this week. Uh, I am solo again today. Vito is out sick, so everybody uh, send your your best wishes to our boy Vito, and uh, and Scotty, our uh, our weary traveler, was uh, on a plane yesterday, recording this Friday morning. Uh, so getting it out a little bit later than normal. We tried to see if we could make it work last night, didn't work with the recording schedule, but nonetheless, here we are, getting you ready for another fantastic week of football. Um, Third, third way point, the, the one third mark of the season, in the NFL um, over the halfway mark in the regular season for, I guess this crosses the halfway mark in the regular season for college football always goes by fast. We're already halfway through October, which means we are, uh, it, it's, it's going too fast. It's going too fast. It always does. So enjoy every single moment you can while we still uh, have regular season football. Because even on weeks that may not seem that great, uh, it still beats the shit out of, you know, a weekend in the spring or the summer when we have nothing to do. And like, man, I would kill for a Pat's Browns game right now. Uh, And luckily, we are good. Uh, Last night's game, the Thursday night game, Chicago and Washington. uh, I did not get an official pick in for that game, Scotty took the commanders. It was an even line. So Scotty gets the win there. Um, but just a really back-to-back, really, really bad football games on Thursday night football. Um, I, I mean, look, <clears throat> coming into the season, there were so many question marks that I get the scheduling thing. And a lot of jokes get put off online about, man, the NFL keeps scheduling shitty games on Thursday night. I think there's a little bit of, hey, Amazon, you're the – you know, you're the new kid in town. You're the new kid in class. You're going to have to kind of serve a little bit here and 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 figure out, you know, what what, what the whole deal is for you. Um, you're going to have to pay your dues a little bit. You're not going to get great matchups. But we did have Kansas City and Los Angeles, right? We did have uh, some, some good Thursday night games. And there'll be some other decent ones down the line. Next week, we have New Orleans and Arizona. That should be at least a more compelling game for Thursday night. But the last two weeks have been objectively awful uh and even the week before that was the cincinnati miami game where we saw tua and had everything so this three week stretch of games um the nfl uh i would think if you're amazon you're not too happy with the nfl right now because the games haven't been good and the between the tua injury and that scene and all the craziness there i'm people aren't loving al michaels and kirk herbstreet together i like herbstreet right it's tough when uh, Al Michaels and, and Collinsworth did that broadcast for so long together. They had great chemistry. Um, Kirk obviously working with uh, uh, Chris Fowler for as long as he has on the Saturday night broadcast, the main events for ESPN. It's, it's, it's a little bit different, right? It's, it's learning to kind of date again, almost for, for uh, Herbie. And I think he's done fine. I think it's been okay. I haven't been as, uh, I think the main complaint with them is it just feels like it's a little bit boring, but the games don't necessarily help with that. Like Al Michaels still has the big game voice. 
Herb Street still has a big game voice. It's a little different hearing him in the NFL, but the last three weeks have not been great. Uh, I do, I, w- I do want to say though, I'm I'm really enjoying the pregame and the halftime crew that Amazon put together. Carissa Thompson hosting, she's fantastic. Uh, you have Andrew Whitworth and Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got Tony Gonzalez to come over. Um, Richard Sherman's been really good. It's a it's a fun crew for their um, you know for their halftime analysts, and it's all people with the exception of Tony Gonzalez. They're all people that we're not really used to seeing uh, in that kind of a setting doing these kind of mid game. Um, breakdowns and and Tony Gonzalez is fantastic. I thought I think Fitzpatrick has been the best out of everybody so far. I mean, he drops these little football quarterback nuggets in there really well. In addition to just kind of being a little bit of silly Fitz magic, right? Like the guy that we all kind of loved. I think at one point last night he unbuttoned his his top shirt. He's wearing these crazy suits. So there's a lot to like um, with that broadcast as they're kind of getting their their legs under them here. But again, the games are not helping there. Washington, Chicago. Both these teams are just bad, man. I mean, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz is is bad, you know, and and I think there's not a whole lot we can credit Frank Reich for right now, but getting the most out of Carson that he did last year, given the fact that they really didn't have any wide receivers or, or throwing targets, but they did have Jonathan Taylor at least, um, that's pretty impressive because his numbers last year were, were solid. Um this year it's bad. I mean, yes, he's got the touchdown passes. I think there was a, a stat floating around that you know, Carson Wentz had 10 touchdown passes this year. The next quarterback in the NFC East uh, was Dak – or sorry, was Jalen Hurts and uh, Cooper Rush, and they both had four. So, uh, you know, people send that around like, oh, Carson Wentz, blah, blah, blah. Or, or it's like it's unbelievable that Carson Wentz has 10 touchdown passes when he looks as bad as he's been because he has looked terrible. Um, but – Carson is, uh, you know, he he's a shell of what he was in 2017. And even that's generous. You know, it, it's crazy to see a guy look as dominant and incredible and electric as he looked that year to just be so bad. I mean, he sees ghosts flying around him at all points in times. He's constantly like shaking in the pocket um, doesn't really seem to be comfortable at all. I know that offensive line is bad. I know he's gotten beat up, but he's just been flat out bad this year. And last night was the worst. He looked because the Bears say what you will about the Bears. Their defense isn't bad, right? I mean, their, their defense is at least somewhat frisky, but the offense is absolutely atrocious for the Bears. But Carson Wentz should, with the weapons and stuff that they have there, they should be better than that. And if it wasn't for the muffed punt, you know, I don't think Washington wins that football game. I don't think they come even close to winning that football game. So Washington, they're a really bad football team, but they still get the win. Chicago, also a bad football team. They come out of that. I don't know if, if you're a fan of either of these teams, if you walk away from this feeling a whole lot better about your situation, right? If you're Chicago, you're thinking, all right, where they're playing a bad team, maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to sneak by and make something happen. Um, that doesn't work. Justin Fields electric with his legs but that coaching staff continually and i've been harping on this since like week one week two basically yeah since week two because the first week was the rain game against san francisco i don't know what this coaching staff is doing and the broadcast last night and and i heard richard sherman and uh, ryan fitzpatrick and those guys talking about it why aren't you doing things to help your quarterback you know you're trying to fit a square pig peg into a round hole like it, it just it doesn't work you have this dude who's 
supremely talented, incredibly athletic. He's got a huge arm. Uh, and, and even the touchdown pass he threw last night to uh, Dante Pettis was a fucking beautiful throw. St- stayed in the pocket, got absolutely drilled. Incorporate some of the stuff that he does well. Go back to the tape at Ohio State and say, hey, what did you run there? What do you like to run? Right now, doesn't seem like they're doing any of that, and they're forcing him to run an offense that he just doesn't look good in. Uh, and for a first-year coaching staff with a guy as talented as Justin Fields, I said this in the preseason, either they're going to set him up for failure and be like, hey, he wasn't our pick. Front office says, hey, he wasn't our pick, and they're going to try to move on from him. Or they're going to try to, you know, help him out a little bit. And unfortunately, it's been the former, not the latter. And Justin Fields is sitting there as a sitting duck, just getting absolutely crushed by Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and all these guys. And he's got nothing to do. He's got no wide receiver help. The running back room is not bad, actually. Uh, David Montgomery and uh, Khalil Herbert have both been really solid. Um, But you got to do more than that, man. And maybe, look, maybe there's things that an NFL coach can sit down and say, hey, look, he missed this read, he missed this read, he missed this throw. And there were some bad throws, a lot of bad throws from Justin Fields. But they're also not setting him up to be successful, right? You know, the and I hate to always use the Eagles, but like what the Eagles did with Jalen last year was really smart. Through the first six weeks or the first seven weeks of the season, when the Eagles were two and five, they were like the number one heavy, most heavy pass team in the NFL. And then they stopped. They gave the play calling responsibilities to Steichen, and they started running. You know this triple option. They just started pounding the ball. They said, "Hey, you know what? Our quarterback's not seeing the field, but he can run." Jalen, go out and run. And maybe Chicago gets to that point because they can run the ball well. That's one thing we know they can do. And you have a quarterback who can make it even more difficult to defend that. So maybe we invest in that side. Maybe we change our offensive philosophy. But being this stubborn, trying to force Justin Fields to be a pocket passer is only setting him up for failure and is going to shorten your leash as a head coach. Unless, of course, the front office coaching staff try to wipe their hands of him and say, hey, like I said, not our guy. We didn't draft him. We want to go out and find our guy. But you have a really, really talented player here. You should try to get the most out of him while you have him. Uh, That's as much as I'm going to talk about that game because that game was terrible. I'm going to run through uh, my picks and Scotty's picks. Scotty uh, filled out his picks yesterday. uh, And we'll go through first week where we have buys. So um, I think there's four teams not playing this week. And uh, so we have two less games, but I think we'll be okay in the uh, in the end. Let's start off here. Uh, first up, Patriots Browns. This game's in Cleveland. The Browns are two and a half point favorites. Uh, Patriots coming off of a really impressive win against the Lions, who we talked about the Lions looking frisky before, and the Patriots shut down the number one scoring offense in football uh, through five through four weeks going into last week, and now the Pats are sitting here going up against a pretty bad offensive team of, uh, and a, and a pretty good defensive team, but we know the Browns can run the football. So my kind of thought process in here is can the Patriots continue to stop the run, which they did really well against Detroit, which they did really well against Green Bay. And if they can do that, then you're going to force Jacoby Brissett to be the guy that beats you. And I think the Patriots are going to be able to do that well. The question on the other side of the ball, no Damian Harris this week. So the running game for New England, which is really important with Bailey Zappi still in at quarterback, is – Ramondre Stevenson going to be enough for them to continually move the ball. Um, if he is, or if they have some semblance of a running game and they're able to slow down Miles Garrett as much as you, anyone can try to. Now, they have Dwayne Brown there, who's a fantastic left tackle, so that helps. Um, 
I think the Patriots are in line for a win this week. I think they're in line to keep this rolling. Um, we always do this whenever the Patriots look bad. We always end up writing them off. We did it when Brady was there. We did it with Mac Jones. We did it with Cam Newton. And yet they still find a way to win games. And this is a game that the Patriots, I think, should win. Uh, obviously, it's in Cleveland, which doesn't help. But I'm not too worried about that. I have the Patriots. Scotty also has the Pats plus two and a half uh, in Cleveland. After that, we have <clears throat> the uh, Jets and the Packers. Jets, Packers, right now, Green Bay, seven and a half point favorites at home in Lambeau. The Jets coming off of their biggest win. But look, Jets fans need to chill out a little bit. Um, you put up 40 points, great. 21 of them came in the fourth quarter. Only Basically, after the one touchdown was scored, that was kind of all she wrote because Skylar Thompson was not going to be enough to get you there. But let's, again, remind ourselves, the Jets did this against a team with their third-string quarterback, right? Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out in the first quarter of that game. You played three quarters of football against a third-string quarterback, and for the majority of those three quarters, the first three quarters, that was a tie game. That was a close one-possession game. If you really are this good team, the New York, like the New York Jets and the Jets fans think that they are, you have to do better than that. Right. You have to prove that you can put away a team with a third string quarterback coming in on an emergency basis, who's also a rookie, mind you. Uh, you have to put that team away. They did not. They did in the fourth quarter. So credit, I'm not completely miscounting the fourth quarter. But at that point, like the, the Dolphins knew they weren't coming back. All right. So all this hype around the Jets, and I know it's not a ton of hype on a national level, but I, I've seen it enough on Twitter that. There are people – I mean, look, Zach Wilson's looked pretty good through a couple of weeks. They actually have some decent weapons. Brees Hall's been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, Michael Carter's nice to have in the backfield. They have two young, fun running backs, Elijah, Mitch, uh, Elijah Mitchell, um, Garrett Wilson at, at the wide receiver position, plus Corey Davis is still there. So there's some pieces around that team. Um, C.J. Uzama is also there at tight end, who's definitely brought a little bit of leadership. The defense for the Jets I do think is pretty legit, but the Packers – Back-to-back -back weird – I mean, they've looked like a weird team all year. Obviously, losing that game in London is bad. Now they got to come back, get right up for this next game. They're home, at least, which is nice. Um, I think the Packers come out here and, and win this game big. Uh, I know it's it's the travel, it's the jet lag, it's all that shit coming back from London. But there's no way the Jets are this good of a team. Could the Jets cover the 7.5? It's a big line, Sure. But I like Green Bay here. I'm not rolling with the Jets. I mean, the Jets are just due for a, a down week here. Um, so I'm taking the Packers here. The Packers were the get-right game against the New York Jets. Scotty rolling with the Jets. I think this is the fourth time this year that Scotty has taken the Jets in our picks. I mean, I get it, right? They've been a frisky team. They've been a frisky kind of weird team. And all in all, they've been relatively productive when you look at the raw numbers. But in totality, I don't think they're some great team. I don't think they're a team that really we should be overly concerned about um, as a sneaky playoff team. I think the three and two record for them is slightly misleading. Uh, Jacksonville and Indianapolis is the next game here. Uh, we saw what happened last two times. The last time these teams played, this is the first repeat game of the season as well. Uh, now that game was in Jacksonville and the Jags own the Coles at home has not been quite the same when the roles are reversed. Uh, India is a two point favorite here. Now, after what we've seen from the Colts, I have a hard time believing that 
the Colts should be a favorite in any game. Now, I know the Jags, after their hot start, everyone thought, oh, this is a frisky Colts team or Jags team, right? You know, they almost won that game in Washington. They were a couple plays away from being 3-0. They blow the 14-0 lead against Philly. Then they lose last week against uh, Houston, which is a terrible loss. Um, I do think the Jags are better than that. I think the Houston thing, similar to how the Jags lose, always beat the Colts, I think it's a similar setup with Houston and Jacksonville, where Jacksonville, for whatever reason, nine consecutive meetings, the Jags have not been able to get past the Colts. I like the the uh, Jags to have a bounce back game here. Um, the Colts offense is just terrible. And the one thing that Jacksonville does have a good uh, is deep, at least at and does well, is their pass rush. They can get after the quarterback. They can, you know, Josh Allen is is one of the most under talked about elite pass rushers in the NFL. <laughs> And I know Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence looked really bad last week, looked bad against Philly, but I'm not worried about this Colts defense. I don't think this Colts defense is particularly good. I know they have, you know, they have some decent players, but with Shaq Leonard still out, um, I don't know, man. I just, I like Jacksonville in a get right game here because I do think Jacksonville's better, closer. They're closer to the team that started off two and one and almost started off three and zero than they are the team that they looked the last two weeks, right? Although the team that they looked like all the way up until the first quarter ended against Philly, that's more of the Jacksonville team that I think they actually are, as opposed to the team in the last three quarters against Philly and then the team against Houston. Um, I like Jacksonville in this game. Two, give me two points, which I'll always take. And my lock of the week here is also going to be in this game. Uh, the over-under is at 42. I'm going to take the under in this game. I can't imagine this is going to be particularly high scoring. I don't see both teams scoring over 21 points. So uh, I'm going to take the uh, Jags here to cover the two. Scotty's taking the uh, the Colts in this one, but we also are on the same page with our lock of the week. We're both taking the under 42 and a half um sorry under 42 rather so scotty and i on the same page that's well we didn't have the same picks but we did both take the under which is a pretty good representation of how people are feeling about this game all right next up we have minnesota at miami uh right now i have not heard i know two is not playing i have not heard the latest about teddy bridgewater um looking through it now he's questionable to play uh, I, I feel like we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater in this game. Um, he was in practice, non-contact on Thursday. So, uh, see that worries, it worries me a little bit, but, um, either way I'm taking Minnesota in this game. Um, Minnesota is a three point favorite on the road in Miami. Um, man, Minnesota could start off five and one, which is crazy because they just do not look like a great team so far, but, if it's Skylar Thompson, then yeah, take the three points while you have it now because I there's no way the Vikings are losing to Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. If it's Teddy Bridgewater, then you have Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. You have uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming back after his concussion, which he had no signs of. But again, that's the backlash from the Tua thing. And of course, Miami was the one that uh, kind of got screwed by the new rule uh, fitting. But it's a shame for Teddy Bridgewater because I think Teddy Bridgewater would have been I don't think he was concussed. I think he just got a little banged up on a hit and was a little slow getting up. And they're like, oh, nope, concussion, pull him off. So uh, I'm taking Minnesota here. I think this is uh, an easy win. This would be one of my lock picks of the week. Um I, like I said, I think Minnesota is a really 
frustrating team at times, but at the same time, the weapons that they have are really, really good. Um, the secondary and the defense, the, the, the defense worries me about Minnesota. I mean, there are players that, I mean, Zadarius Smith has looked awesome this year, but the secondary hasn't been great, but then they show out for games and they pull off weird wins, right? So could Miami keep this one close? Sure. Wouldn't shock me. Uh, Scotty's actually taking the Dolphins here, but I like the Vikings. I think this is a big game for Minnesota. I just don't see – like, you you can't have a, a situation where you're playing a third string or even a backup and expect to go in and not dominate that game. If it's a backup, it's one thing, right, especially some of the quality of, like, Teddy Bridgewater. But if we're talking about a Skylar Thompson, right, a rookie who was fine in college, like, he was a decent player in college, but you can't. You can't lose to that team, you know, especially if it's a third stringer. Third stringer, that that's an automatic win. Um, and with Teddy Bridgewater, who I think will probably play, but look, there's a chance he still hasn't been fully cleared yet, and he's still listed as questionable. So uh, I would expect to see Teddy Bridgewater on the field on Sunday, but even if it's if it's him or if it's Skylar Thompson, I'm rolling with the Vikings. Uh, Niners-Falcons in this next game. Niners-Falcons. Uh, Niners five-point favorites at Atlanta. So on the road in this one. Um Look, I've loved this Atlanta team all year. I haven't shied away from that. They've been frisky in every game. They backdoor covered, I think, three games already this year. Um, I I like this Atlanta team, but without Cordell Patterson, it's a completely different football team. Now, the defense has really shown out, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those weird letdown games from Jimmy G in San Francisco, right, where San Francisco has won big back-to-back weeks. That defense is humming, but – I, I'm not worried about the Niners' defense. I'm worried about the Niners' offense continuing. I still don't love what we've seen out of Debo. Um, I said go at the beginning of the season. That's why I, I ended up having him on my fantasy team, but that was out of necessity. He was one of my stay-away guys for as high as he was being drafted simply because I thought there would be some regression, right? Um, the fact that they've had Jeff Wilson Jr. stay healthy for most of the season, they haven't had to use him in that running back role. Um, Trey Lance, definitely was not as uh, – didn't have as good a chemistry with Debo as Jimmy G did, but now we've seen Jimmy G come back, and they're still not getting Debo the ball a lot. Obviously, defenses are worried about him, so they're double-teaming him. They're giving him extra coverage on the outside. Uh, but I also think part of this is not having Mike McDaniel there anymore, right? Mike McDaniel was a really, really big part of that offense for San Francisco last year, and now that he's gone, the play calling goes back to Kyle Shanahan, and – I don't think it's as creative as it was before in ways that they were using Debo Samuel. So um, I'm, I really, really want to take Atlanta because this just – it feels like another Atlanta just somehow comes back, pick six, does something late to kind of backdoor cover this. Um, and the Niners have won big twice. So you know what? Uh, Scotty's taking his Niners. I'm going to say fuck it. I'm going to take Atlanta. Um, they've been great covering the spread so far this year. I think they're four and one covering the spread so far. So I'm going to take – the uh, the Falcons here just simply because I think Jimmy G and that offense, they've looked good at some points. The defense looks awesome. Like I'm not worried about that defense at all. I'm concerned taking Atlanta because I don't know how Atlanta is going to score the ball against this defense um, with how they've just been absolutely nasty and aggressive. And I freaking love watching that Niners defense play, but I feel like this is a game where Niners get up two touchdowns early and then it kind of gets a little boring. And next thing you know, there's a pick six. There's something that the Falcons kind of find their way back in the game at the end, similar to what we saw in Tampa Bay last week. Uh, all right, next up here, we have 
the Bengals and the Saints. Bengals one and a half point favorites in New Orleans. T. Higgins a little bit banged up. Uh, Jamar Chase. This offense has not looked the same, right? Um, they're running everything out of shotgun. Everything has been run out of shotgun. I know that a lot of times the modern NFL, right? It's on, we're so numb to the whole shotgun spread offense kind of thing. There was a phenomenal discussion last week on NFL Live with Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark and um, Marcus Spears, and I think I alluded to this a little bit before, but talking about how important it is to have your quarterback set up under center still, right? And just the things, the way it, it freezes guys in the secondary. I mean, I think the the Bengals are running something like 80%, 85% of their offensive plays out of shotgun. They have to do a little bit more under center. They have to get the running game going. Joe Mixon's been healthy, but hasn't been productive, which this is the first time in his career that he's been healthy, that he hasn't been productive. Normally it's because of injuries. I feel like the Bengals need a big win. Like they need an offensive explosion win because I, I went in expecting this offense to be unbelievable. Um, they've had moments where it's looked really good, but for the most part, I think they're like 18th in DVOA on the offense right now. So I think this is a good game for Cincinnati. The, I'm not impressed with the Saints defense. I haven't been all year. I've been saying that time and time again. Um, and I think with the weapons that they have, assuming T. Higgins is healthy, which he's expected to play, he may not be fully healthy. But if he's out there, then at least that's going to help open stuff up for Jamar Chase. Him leaving that game early on Sunday night football against the Ravens last week, that completely changed the way that the Bengals were able to move the football. Um, we know Joe Burrow's a gamer. So I like uh, I like the Bengals in this game. I think the Bengals right now they're minus one and a half point favorites in Cincinnati or sorry in uh, New Orleans. So I think this is a big game. Both teams are two and three. I'm taking the Bengals. Scotty's also on Cincy in this one. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Next up, we have Baltimore at the New York Giants. This is where the road ends. For all this, this, this fun three and four and one New York Giants team, this is the first good team that they've played. Right, they played Dallas with Cooper Rush, who I would say is a really good defense. The offense is is fine, um, but a really really good defense. It, it Baltimore can beat you defensively. They can beat you on offense. Um, Daniel Jones looks terrible. There's still no offense. There's still no wide receivers on this fucking Giants team. Uh, obviously Saquon's there. But that's a tough matchup for him. You got guys like Patrick Queen uh, in that linebacker room who can fly around the field and make a bunch of really good tackles. Uh, I still think Saquon will be able to break off a couple of big plays. But there's only so much you can do with the limited options. And they are maximizing their talent on their roster. No question about that. Brian Dable has done a phenomenal job maximizing the talent that they have on that New York Giants football roster right now. But the Ravens are just too good. There's no one on that defense that's going to be able to help slow down Lamar. Um I think this is a big, big time Baltimore win. They're five and a half point favorites on the road. Typically, when you see that big of a number for a home dog, you take the home dog in that scenario. And you know what? The Giants still might find a way to keep it close. The Ravens have had big leads and blown them late. Um, they've been in a lot of close games this year, but have still found out a found a way to win. But the Ravens are also one of those teams that can just put it on you and have one of those crazy weeks where they win like forty five to seven. And, you know, they're just absolutely blowing a team up. And I think that's what happens here. The Ravens have played too many close games in a row. Lamar's too good. He's been throwing the ball so well this year. I mean, we talked about, hey, there's not enough offensive weapons, no wide receivers for Lamar to throw to. And yet Lamar's having his best passing season of his career so far. Um, and he's still been able to run the ball really effectively as well. So I think the Ravens win this game. I think they win it big. I'm taking the Ravens. 
to cover the five and a half. Let's see what Scotty had. Um, Scotty's also on the Ravens. So Scotty and I on the same page there, both taking Baltimore minus five and a half. Uh, next up here, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Pittsburgh. Right now, they're an eight-point favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this has to be a blowout. Uh, the Steelers are so, so bad. And I can't imagine this offense for Pittsburgh is going to be able to do anything against that Tampa Bay defense. They're going to have trouble throwing the ball. They're going to have no way to run the football against Levante David and uh, and Devin White. And then obviously you got your Vita Veas and the defensive line there getting better and better for Tampa Bay. Um, I don't see the Steelers being able to move the ball effectively at all against Tampa Bay. And on the other end of it, with still with no T.J. Watt, this defense just isn't as scary. You can double team Cam Hayward up the middle. He becomes less of the game record that we're used to him being. Minka Fitzpatrick's a stud, but he's only going to be able to do so much from that safety position. Um, Tampa Bay's offense has looked better and better as the season has gone on. Still not great, uh, but they have gotten better. Each week that goes by, Chris Godwin gets a little bit healthier, a little bit more confident in that knee coming off of the ACL last year. Uh, Tampa Bay, eight-point favorite on the road. Again, huge number for a home dog to be taking it, but I like the Bucs. Uh, I think Tampa Bay's just a significantly better football team, and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers might end up being the worst <laughs> the worst team in the league when it comes to their record. I mean, they're playing a first-place schedule, or at least I think – no, they finished second. Yeah, they finished second behind Cincinnati. Uh, in the AFC North last year, but they're still playing a really tough schedule, especially the way it's worked out. Um, I like the Bucs here. Uh, I think I think the Bucs are going to absolutely house this team. I think those are going to be two games that we pay basically no attention to on red zone. Uh, the first of the four o'clock games, we have the Panthers at LA. The Rams are a 10-point favorite at home. Um, again, home favorite here, 10 points, double-digit spread. The Panthers' defense, look, the reason to pick Carolina here is they fired Matt Rule this week. They fired Matt Rule. The bad juju, whatever was going on in that locker room is gone, and these guys show out and play really well, right? The Rams coming off multiple really bad games, two and three for the defending champs, not a good start. Uh, the Panthers' defense has been really good this year. The offense, I, this feels like a weird Baker Mayfield keeps it kind of close. I, I think the Rams win the game, but I think Carolina keeps this closer than people think um, it might seem stupid, right? But Steve Wilkes was a one-year head coach at, in, uh, in Arizona before he got fired. That was the Josh Rosen year before they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. And now he's the defensive coordinator in, in Carolina. He's been promoted to interim head coach. I know the offense is still run by Pat McAdoo or Ben McAdoo. Um, sorry, Pat McAfee. That was a, a Freudian slip there. Um, but I don't know. I just, the Rams have looked really bad. The defense is nowhere near as as good as people thought it was um, coming into the season. Definitely not the same defense as last year. The pass rush. I mean, Aaron Donald's still unbelievable, but he's just constantly getting double teamed. And yeah, he's going to have those times where he breaks through a double team and makes a big play, but he's not the down-in, down-out fear that he's been before. The secondary still incredibly banged up. Only Jalen Ramsey. I think they might have gotten one of their other starters back in that secondary so that should make it a little bit easier for Baker. Christian McCaffrey's actually been pretty solid this year as they've expanded his reps a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and also, again, there's that juice of, hey, you fire the head coach, get the interim head coach in there. It's similar to like when you have a backup quarterback. It kind of elevates the whole team, right? Everyone gets a little bit more excited. 
this is a complete gut pick. Um, I know all the numbers would tell you that the Rams are the better football team and roster wise and paper wise. Yeah. The Rams are a better football team, but right now it's Cooper cup and no one else on that offense. Like Allen Robinson's been a shell. Tyler Higby's continuing to just be kind of what he's been his whole career, which is a decent passing option, not some stud, not some like top tier tight end, just a decent, you know, catch three or four balls a game for 25 yards, kind of tight end. The running game cam makers has not been great. Uh, they're not running the ball with Daryl Henderson. So this offense basically falls completely down to Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford hasn't looked great so far this year. Um, so I'm going to take Carolina to cover the 10. It's a big number. Scotty's also taking the Panthers. It just it feels like, again, one of those weird games. You fire the head coach. It stays a little bit close. I think the Rams end up winning it late. But uh, I like the Panthers here to cover the 10. Um, next up here. We have the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Cardinals on the road in Seattle, two and a half point favorites. This is a delicious home dog. This is I'm I'm hammering Seattle. All right, Seattle, one I believe have the number one offense in football right now, and uh, in, in points scored and yards per play and, and a bunch of advanced stats as well. Geno Smith has been really good. This Arizona defense, um, they're nothing really special. You know, they don't really have any elite pass rushers. They have those athletic linebackers, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. The, the corners actually played pretty well against Philly last week. I was impressed by that. Obviously, Buda Baker there in the back end. But Geno's been kind of – not only has he been airing it out, obviously between DK and Tyler Lockett, like you have two really, really good wide receivers there still. This is going to be uh, Rashad Penny done for the year. So it's the Kenneth Walker show now in Seattle um, who – so far has looked pretty good when he's gotten his opportunities. It's just they've had Rashad Penny there. So he hasn't gotten a, a huge, we haven't had a huge sample size. He hasn't gotten the bulk, you know, of, of the carries. I think this is Kenneth Walker comes out. I think they're going to be able to run the football well against Arizona. The Eagles were able to do that last week. Seattle's been able to do that well this year. I think Gino's going to be able to find the quick, easy passes. He's going to take a couple shots. Um, and this Arizona team, like Kyler Murray's, the other thing, too, whenever Arizona plays, whoever they're playing, pick the other team first half spread because Arizona is terrible in the first half. I did that last week against um, Philadelphia. I wish I had made that my pick. Um, but Arizona is not a great first half team. They start off slow every single week. Uh, obviously, these teams know each other, right? Cliche again, but they do. They play each other pretty regularly every single year, two times a year minimum. Um, I like Seattle. I think their defense isn't terrible. Um, it's not good, but it's not terrible. And Kyler's going to make some plays. It's the last week before they get DeAndre Hopkins back. So I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks here. I think Seattle gets the job done. Um, I do think Arizona finds a way to get it close at the end, and maybe they win on, on a field goal, right, to try to win it. And, look, if they kick a game winner when they're tied, that's fine. If they kick a game winner down two, down one, or to tie it, whatever, I'll take that. I'll still take the two and a half. Um, but I like I like Seattle here and Scotty surprisingly as well is on Seattle. All right. Next up here. The game of the week by far is Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, this is, I believe, the first time in his career that um, Pat Mahomes is a home underdog. So uh, right now the line is at two and a half points which honestly I think is an accurate line because I, I mean, obviously both of these teams are, are really good, but I do think the defensive side of um, I do think the defensive side of Baltimore is a little bit better 
than uh, what than uh, Kansas City. But Kansas City's also played well in defense this year. But um, I found a, a few stats here about Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' career as an underdog. It's only happened eight times in his career. He's 7-0-1 against the spread. The team scored 51 points the only time that the, he didn't cover. Uh, he's also 6-2 and two straight up. And his pass, his touchdown to pass, his touchdown to interception ratio uh, in games that he's an underdog is 28 to 8. In other words, don't piss off Patrick Mahomes by making him an underdog because he will make you pay. And I know Buffalo's really good, but we've also seen Buffalo look kind of meh this year. And other than the Colts game, the Chiefs have looked like a fucking wagon. I'm taking the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this game straight out. I think they win this game close. I think this is a phenomenal game. Now, I will say Buffalo does have the added, you know, revenge factor from the uh, the divisional round in the playoffs last year and the overtime game. I'm expecting this to be a phenomenal game. This game will be front and center on my TV. I cannot wait to watch 425 kickoff. Um, it's the only 425 kickoff. We have the Rams, Panthers, and Cardinals, Seahawks. Those are 405 kickoffs Eastern time. So to have a Bills, Chiefs, 425 Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, either way, I think this is an incredibly close game, so you might as well just take the extra points to begin with. But I just think Kansas City is going to get it done. I, I picked them to go back. I think I picked them to win the Super – or to go back to the Super Bowl this year and lose to Green Bay. So that pick's not looking great. But I I was a firm believer in this Kansas City team. All of the Tyreek's gone. Travis Kelsey's getting old. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can't run the ball. You know, all that stuff, Tyron Matthews gone, defense isn't going to be as good. Justin Reed's come in and been really good in that defense, and they've changed a lot of what they do in that defense. I love this Kansas City team. I'm taking Kansas City. Uh, whenever we end up doing our midseason, like, hey, you know, redo your Super Bowl pick stuff, I think the Chiefs are my favorite right now to win the Super Bowl. I know Buffalo has looked unbelievable, um, and they had a huge, huge win last week against a really bad Steelers team. The Chiefs are good, man. And I know the Chiefs almost lost that game to Vegas, but that's the thing with them, man. Even, even when the Chiefs get down, was it 14-0, 17-0, they came all the way right back. And not at one point there did I feel like the Chiefs weren't going to come back and win that game. So, um, again, they didn't look great the first half against the Raiders. Uh, we didn't even get into any of the Devontae Adams stuff and, and all that stuff, which is like he was a fucking idiot, all right? he It was a dumb fucking move. I get why the camera guy's suing him, whatever. It just was fucking stupid. It was just fucking stupid. It's not It's not worth all the hubbub about it. I know that's not really how the media world works. I know that's not really how Twitter and everything else works. Everyone wants to freak out and make some big take or whatever. Or there's even some people online who were trying to blame the camera guy and saying we have to clear out the tunnels for when players come off the field. No, just blame Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams made, did a dick move, piece of shit move. He apologized. He's probably going to lose some money. He's probably going to have to settle something up in court. And that's going to be the end of it. Other than that, it was just a fucking stupid, stupid moment. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Kansas City. All right, Sunday night. Eagles hosting the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles are a six-point favorite at home. I've been saying this all week. I think the Eagles are going to lose this game. And that might just be the fan in me who's used to bad things happening, but it's got all the makings, right? You know, the Eagles started off so good, right? The first three weeks of the season, you know, they looked fantastic. 
right? Week number one, right? They at week number one against Detroit score a million points. Let the Lions come back. They still end up winning. It's fine. Week two, Monday night, they blow out Minnesota. Um, each week they got progressively better until the Jacksonville game. And then the Jacksonville game comes around. They didn't look great to start it off, but they came back, end up winning the game comfortably. Then last week, it takes a missed field goal from 43 yards from a backup kicker, a replacement kicker for Arizona for them to have not forced that game into overtime, which, yeah, maybe they would have won in overtime. But nonetheless, since their hot start, the Eagles have gotten progressively little more shaky and the scary thing is they still haven't put together the best game yet which i think long term is a good thing for the eagles because as the season goes on i think they can get better and better i'm not expecting this team to go undefeated now the cowboys have a really bad track rec- track record over the last 20 years in philadelphia just like the eagles have a bad track record in uh dallas over the last 20 years i'm concerned about this game because it feels like the perfect kind of letdown. this is when Oh, man, the, are the Cowboys actually the best team? Oh, the Eagles lost to a backup quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys, right? It just feels like one of those weird kind of games. I think there's a really good chance the Eagles win this game. The Eagles have a bye next week, right? So that's the other thing here. It's like, hey, one more big win, then we're to the bye, and then we can reset. Going into the bye 6-0 would be unbelievable for the Birds. But it feels like one of those games where the Cowboys just somehow fucking get it done. And I'm not excited at all for that proposition to potentially happen it's just kind of where my gut is at with this game so six and a half or six points for dallas here as an underdog on the road dallas's defense has been really good and this is by far the biggest test the eagles have had defensively i think the cowboys cover the spread i think the cowboys might actually end up winning this game as much as it makes me fucking nauseous to say um The one thing I will say about this game is Philly's going to be on fire. The link's going to be on absolute fucking fire for this game. It's going to be an unreal atmosphere. One big play, a sack, a turnover, a fumble, anything, and that place is going to absolutely explode. But the one thing with that, and we saw it in the game against Jacksonville, right? Like, as soon as the crowd gets – or the game against Minnesota, right – the crowd gets super into it. They had the the big inter- the big touchdown pass to Quez Watkins right in that game against Minnesota, and then all of a sudden, Minnesota goes back, scores a touchdown. All that energy, everyone gets a little bit too hyped up, and then it's like letting air out of the balloon slowly. Where the right after that play, Minnesota goes down methodically, easily scores a touchdown. I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried about it being so hyped up. The Eagles getting so hyped up in the first half for, you know, a touchdown or or maybe they're up 10 or something. And then just somehow the Cowboys just kind of weasel their way back in. I think six and a half or six is way too many points for a defense that is as good as the Cowboys defense has been. Now, that being said, the Cowboys really haven't played a dynamic offense this season yet either. Right. Cincinnati has not looked like the same offense that Cincinnati's been. Uh, Tampa Bay has not looked like the same offense that this, uh, you know, that they were in the last couple of years. Um, who else? I'm telling you, uh, And then it's the Giants, Washington, and the Rams. Giants, not a good offense. Washington's not a good offense. The Rams have not been a good offense this year. So who's the best offense that they've played so far? I mean, again, if, you, if you're looking at these three, those three teams, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, and the Rams from a year ago, you know, we're talking about 
damn, this defense is elite. They're absolutely they're shutting down these top tier offenses. But the thing is, is Tampa Bay hasn't been a top tier offense. Um, the Rams haven't been a top tier offense, and the Bengals haven't been a top tier offense through five weeks already. So, how much can you really take out of that? I don't know. The Eagles are the best offense that they've played that they're going to play after this week will have been the best offense that they played. So we'll see how good Dallas's defense actually is. But so far, you can only play who's in front of you, right? And so far, they've looked really good. So I think they're going to be good. I think getting my lot back on the offensive line, which looks like that's going to happen for the Eagles, obviously having Slay and Bradbury there on the, uh, you know, both those guys on the outside by having Slay back. Um, Landon Dickerson should be back and healthy and, um, I believe. And then, yeah, we have um, Sam Malo, who's back as well. So I think there's a really good chance the Eagles win this game. So all the Eagles fans who listen to this, I know there's a bunch of guys back home in Philly. I promise you I'm pulling for the Eagles. I do think the Eagles have a really good chance to win, but just it's one of those gut feeling things, man, where I just, I can't shake it. I just feel like this is a letdown game. This is a spot where going into the bye, you, you can't overlook the Cowboys luckily because they are such a massive rival for the Eagles and they, and the hatred there is so real that there's no way that Jalen and Sirianni and any of those guys, they're not overlooking this game waiting to get to the bye. But I do think there's a chance given the history, given the weirdness of these two teams. And again, I know the Eagles over the years have done really well in Philly. I'm just a little bit worried. Now the Eagles got spanked in both games against the Cowboys last year. So there's, again, there's going to be a little bit of that. The Eagles wanted to get a big bounce back. Fuck you for sweeping us last year. We're going to come in. We're going to dominate all that stuff. I'm taking Dallas to cover, um, but I do think the Eagles win the game. Scotty is taking Philly. um, And he's also adding a little bit of extra um, juice for you here. He's saying uh, second half under, (laughs) excuse me. Uh, he's putting the second half under, given the Eagles' uh, offensive struggle there in the second half. The under in the second half is 20 and a half. I just don't hate that bet. I don't hate that bet at all. Um, last game here, we have the Broncos. <laughs> oh, goddamn. We have the Broncos at the Chargers. Chargers, four and a half point favorites. Scotty's rolling with Denver. Um, I'm not rolling with Denver in any game this year. I I have said it all season. I said it before the season. I picked Denver to finish third in the AFC West because I didn't love, I didn't think Russ was going to be that great. I didn't think the wide receivers were going to be that great. I thought the roster around Russ, even if Russ came in and was unbelievable and elevated them, I didn't think it would be enough for them to overtake the Chargers or obviously the Chiefs. Um, But man, the Broncos have been bad. And the Chargers, the one thing we can say about them is they've been able to put up points. And this Denver defense has already lost uh, one of their starting cornerbacks for the year. Uh, I tell P, I, I, I ask this question, right? Like if, if you're facing a team, who's the number one player that scares you? The Eagles are playing Dallas this week, right? I'm terrified of Micah Parsons. Absolutely hor- horrified of Mark, Micah Parsons. Who are you afraid of on this Denver defense? Bradley Chubb's been really good. I'll give, I'll give him that. He's probably the answer. But who scares you? You know, Patrick Sertan's a really good corner. Does he scare you? I mean, if you're the Chargers, you have Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams and Eckler out of the backfield. Is there anybody there? I mean, Patrick Sertan can't cover all three of those guys. Bradley Chubb's been really, really good this year. This has kind of been his, like, officially, like, hey, look, I'm really good. I was worth the first-round pick you drafted me about five years ago. Um, there's no one that scares me on this Denver team. 
and Russell Wilson in another prime time. Now there's all this, his shoulders been hurt this whole time. Bullshit, which is just, it's absolute. It's, it's bad. The situation in Denver is bad. I don't think it gets worse here. Uh, Scotty took Denver. I'm taking the chargers four and a half. I think we have a pretty, another pretty boring uh, Monday night game. Uh, but I think the chargers win by at least a touchdown. Uh, that being said, the chargers haven't looked great given the injury stuff that they have. Uh, I think Bosa, let me check this actually, because we I haven't heard an update on whether Bosa is close to coming back anytime soon. I don't think he is, um, but I don't think they put him officially on IR either. Um, so Keenan Allen's questionable. Uh, that's the kicker is also potentially out here. Maybe they did put Bosa. On. This is just a little bit of live research here on the pod. Um, I promise I do. I do my research, but there's some things that get through. Uh, no, he okay. So he is on IR still, not even close to coming back. He'll probably come back at some point in November. Um, yeah. So that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Because you can say the same thing I said about Denver, about the Chargers, right? Who scares you on that Chargers team? Well, normally it's Joey Bosa, but no Bosa. Um, I don't know, man. I- I've seen this Denver team look horrible offensively against bad defenses, right? They looked bad offensively against the Seahawks on Monday night in week one. So, and and, and the Seahawks are a bad defensive team. They're not, like I said, not terrible, but not not good either. They're, they're pretty bad. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I don't see... I don't see how Denver puts up any points. This offense looks completely discombobulated. No Javante Williams. So it's all Melvin Gordon supplemented with whoever their third string running back is. I don't love it Um, for Denver. I'm hammering the Chargers. Absolutely hammering the Chargers. All right. Let's run through our college games. Like I said, we have six games. Picks are only going to be for me this week. Um, This is a – Get your popcorn, get your beer, order your pizza and your wings, and you sit down on Saturday. You're going to have friends who are going to tell you, hey, let's go out and let's go to a brewery, right? Let's go do something. No. You tell them no. You say, I'm going to sit my butt on the couch. I'm going to watch college football for 12 hours, and then I'm going to go to bed. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing nothing else. That's it the entire time, okay? I'm so excited for this weekend in college football. This the slate is just unbelievable. Um, and in addition to the games that we're going to pick here, so like I said, I will run through the games that we're going to pick. Um, but then I, I want to also add out just some other games because this week is freaking awesome. Um, shout out JMU by the way, five no number twenty five in the country, twelve and a half point favorites on the road at Georgia Southern. NBD uh, love one of the sneaky cool things. And obviously people who listen to this who are fans of like a Big Ten school or an SEC school, Pac-12 school, you know, where you're used to seeing your team in the top 25 or even if it's, you know, every once in a while they get they might crack it right and be in that top 25 world for this being the first time and obviously covering JMU as an FCS team. And then they make this jump this year and you're I have low expectations pretty much all season. I mean, I think I picked them to win like somewhere between five and seven games. They're already at five wins. Um Going into this season, right? And now, all right, cool, they're FBS. That jump alone was overwhelming and amazing. Like, holy shit, I can't believe JMU's under the FBS tab on ESPN now. What's even cooler is when you pull up the games on ESPN, the first, like, automatic thing that they have there for college is the top 25. And then you can hit the little drop-down menu and pick whatever conference you want to look at. JMU's in the top 25 
you know, page on ESPN. Now for me, for years working on ESPNU, when I would do my homework, when I was doing my homework and I would also do my, you know, my rundowns and show planning, all that stuff. I lived on this page all the time. So to see JMU pop up here on the top 25 page is just, it's still crazy to me. Um, so sorry about kind of gushing there. I'm just really excited. Um, but so the games we're going to be picking, we're picking Clemson at Florida state, Kentucky at Mississippi state, USC at Utah, Oklahoma State at TCU, Penn State at Michigan, and then Alabama at Tennessee. So those, those are the official games that we're picking. And one of the games in there that we didn't include was NC State at Syracuse, which is a top 25 matchup. Um, so this whole weekend is unbelievable. So in addition to those games, you have uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, Ole Miss 6-0, number 10 in the country. You have Kansas, Oklahoma. Kansas is ranked. Oklahoma isn't. But yet OU is still a nine-point favorite, even though the Oklahoma runnings or defensive stats have been horrendous. So I actually, if you want another pick, I take Kansas plus nine there because that seems like a really big number. Um, Iowa State, Texas should be a really fun game. Minnesota, Illinois, Illinois number 24 in the country. Minnesota right outside the top 25. That should be a really good game. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, I mean, those are just the top 25 teams, but there's even more games outside of that that are worth watching um i'm i'm so excited for this weekend in college football uh i'm trying to think that i knew there was at least one other game here that i didn't have written down on my on my schedule but really really fun weekend college football is the best i'm so excited i've had a bunch of busy weekends in a row so i haven't had a chance to like sit down and just watch college football all day on saturday um but i'm i'm getting like irrationally excited <laughs> for this game. I thought it was a Pac-12 game. I'm literally just doing live research and just kind of uh, rambling here. Oh, yeah, Washington State, Oregon State. How many years would we say, oh, that's a fun game, right? Both teams are 4-2. and two. That's going to be a good football game. Um, BYU and Arkansas, that's going to be a great game. LSU and Florida, that's going to be a fun game. There's just a ton of great football games in this week. So get your popcorn ready, sit down, and uh, and get ready for it. All right, we'll start off here. Clemson, 6-0. and uh, they are three and a half point favorites at Florida State in Tallahassee. Um, Florida State has looked pretty good this year. I know I, I picked them against NC State. They came up a little bit short. Um, Florida State's got a great home field advantage. 730 in, and this is the primetime game too. So this is the Chris Fowler, Herb Street game, right? I really should just take Clemson. That's the smart thing to do, right? Three and a half seems like a small, like, they should cover that comfortably, even on the road. I just love this Florida State team, and I'm not fully slow, sold on Clemson. Like, we've seen Clemson's defense not look as great as we thought it was going to be coming into the game. They're really good against the run, but Jordan Travis is so athletic. He's so good when the play breaks down at just picking up that, like, back-breaking third and ten where you think he got him pinned back, and then all of a sudden he scrambles and picks up a big play. I, I like Florida State here. I, I think – they can cover. I think they can win it outright. Um, I'm taking the Seminoles. Again, It's the, when was the last time Florida State hosted the number one premier primetime game for ESPN? It's been a long, long time. DJ Uyunglele has looked better and better as the season's gone on. The defense for Clemson has not looked as good. So they're actually, I think, a little more well-rounded than I thought going into the season, which is that I didn't think Clemson's offense was going to be that great. They played really well. Um, and I thought their defense was going to be the best in the country, and they haven't been. They've been one of the one of the top ones. They're still unbelievable against the run, um, and, and the the secondary has been okay. But 
you know, Devin Leary let them up for NC State. Obviously, Sam Hartman let them up for uh, Wake Forest. But this is the last, like, big test because Clemson's already played Wake Forest and NC State. Those are the big two games on, on Clemson's schedule that you really had to be worried about. Now they get this game at Florida State. This is kind of the last of this gauntlet stretch that Clemson has had. I'm taking the Seminoles to cover the three and a half. Um, but if Clemson gets pied by this, I think there's a really good chance they run the table and go undefeated for the rest of the season. And that would put them back in the college football playoff. Right now, they're number four in the country. Um, next up, we have Kentucky at Mississippi State. This is a fascinating one, right? Because Kentucky has not won one of their big games this year, with the exception of the game against Florida. But as we've seen, Florida is not quite as good of a football team as we all expected. Kentucky, still a really good defensive team, can still run the ball. Can they slow down the Mississippi State offense enough? Kendall Rogers, really, really good quarterback. Or sorry, Will Rogers, one of the best throwing offenses in football. It's Mike Leach. Obviously, it makes sense. I said this in the, when I was doing the SEC previews. I thought this would be that one every four or five year Mike Leach team that puts up a ton of points, has a senior quarterback, can move the ball, and it has enough defensive players that they can actually make something happen. They're a four-point favorite in Lexington, which is a lot of points considering that atmosphere. I know that place is going to be up for this. Um, this has happened the last couple years in the SEC where it's like, yeah, Bama's obviously really good. Georgia's really good. Uh, LSU had their one year. But other than that, all the teams underneath them, you'll get a Ole Miss that jumps up into the top 10, right? And you'll get a Mississippi State or a Kentucky or, you know, one of these teams that plays really, really well up and gets themselves high into the top 25, like makes a good run. But then they play AM, who might have had a bad loss when it comes back, right? And they all end up kind of cannibalizing each other right in that middle pack there in the SEC. So I'm going to take Kentucky to cover here. Um, and I think Kentucky wins the game. I'm really excited for this one, too. This is 7.30 kickoff. You'll have the dueling games here, Clemson, Florida State, Mississippi State, Kentucky. I think Mississippi State, Kentucky might actually end up being a better game. But then 30 minutes after that kickoff, we have USC and Utah. You got Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley going to Provo. Oh, sorry, Salt Lake City, Provo is where BYU is. Um, and they're taking on Utah, who still number 20 in the country after a couple of tough losses there. Um, I was really impressed with UCLA last week beating Utah. I did not see that one coming. I thought that was Utah all the way. Utah is due for a big game. They're three-and-a-half-point favorite. I will say for as dynamic as Caleb Williams is, and obviously they have uh, Jamie Addison too, the wide receiver transfer from Pitt, who won the Belindikoff last year. But he's been really good. But other than those two guys, the offensive line still isn't great for USC. This is going to be their first major test going up against a really good defensive line, a really good defensive team, in a very hostile environment in Salt Lake against Utah. Uh I think USC is in a little bit of trouble here because they've kind of snuck by by the skin of their teeth on a couple of these uh, games so far this year where it's like they've won by three against like Oregon or Washington State, right? You know, they, they've found a way to get the win. Um, I think this is Utah, even with the three and a half. Um, I know they, they killed me last week. I thought they would have a better week. They did not. But uh, I like Utah to win, and uh, and we're going to take and see what happens there. Uh, three more games here. Oklahoma State, TCU. No bullshit. I think this is the best game of the weekend. This game is going to be so much fun. Spencer Sanders has been really good this year, but he's he's kind of like that ex-boyfriend who, you know, cheats a bunch, and the girl keeps kind of going back to him being like, no, this time he's been good. Like, you know, that on-again, off-again relationship where it's like, no, he's serious this time. And then out of nowhere, it's just going to break up with you, right? And girls do the same shit. But 
Spencer Sanders, I'm just waiting for him to, to, to break my heart. Like I'm just waiting for him to revert back to the guy that he's always been when Oklahoma state's been really good where they just, there's just that one, that one thing, right. You know, and then it's, and then there's one bad game. TCU has been awesome. Sonny Dykes has this team moving. The offense is fantastic. Um, I love what I've been seeing out of that offense. Sonny Dykes is a great offensive coach. They're a four four point favor right now at home against Oklahoma State. This Oklahoma State defense is not the same defense that we saw a year ago with Jim Knowles, but they've done enough to keep them in games. I'm going to roll with Sonny Dykes. I'm going to take the favorite here, right? If, If Oklahoma State wins this game, it is a huge statement win for Oklahoma State. No question, this is the best win of the season if Oklahoma State pulls it off. I think TCU might actually end up being the best team in the big 12 when it's all said and done, because that offense is really, really scary. And there's no, there's not a single defense Baylor a little bit, but there's not a single defense in the big 12 right now that like scares you. Uh, Kansas plays really, really good fundamental defense. It's a big part of like what Lance Leipold does, which is just limit the scoring, keep your team in it kind of style defense, keep everything in front of you kind of defense. TCU can can put it on you and put it on you fast. Oklahoma State's not a great defensive team. Uh, they've been in some close games this year. I think TCU wins this one. Um, so far, I'm like rolling with all. Oh, no, I took Kentucky. I was, no, I've got, I got two underdogs and two favorites. So I'm doing all right here so far with my with my picks. But um, two four point favorites uh, is is or three and a half for Utah at least uh, is a little bit worrisome. But you know what? That's just I like TCU. Um, Oklahoma State, I like Oklahoma State too. I, that's why I'm saying I think this is going to be the best game of the day. Uh, and I'm surprised that the line is as big as it is. I would have thought this is probably closer to a two-and-a-half point spread, but they put it at four. Vegas knows things that we don't, so I'm taking uh, the Horn Frogs here. Uh, two more games left. Big Ten showdown, Fox noon kickoff, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt being on the call, uh, Penn State traveling to Ann Arbor, both teams undefeated. Both teams have looked really good. Both teams have looked really uh, not great. The one thing I will say, and this is a little bit, now Michigan's a seven-point favorite, so um, I'm going to take Penn State, and I'm going to take Penn State points. And the reason for it, at least a big reason for it, is A, Penn State can run the football. They can run the football really, really well. Um, They've done a good job of not forcing Sean Clifford to be the answer, and they've had so many dynamic wide receivers over the last few years, Jahan Dotson, um, obviously before that KJ Hamler, where it felt like, Hey, we get, that's the guy we got to get the ball in their hands right now. They have it at the running back position and that helps alleviate a lot of the stuff that Sean Clifford has to do. Um, I don't think this Michigan team is as good as last year's. I don't think the offensive line is good, which I think helps Penn state a lot, but Penn state also went down to one of the most hostile environments in college football in Jordan Harris stadium at Auburn on the road this year and won a big game and didn't just win a big game, absolutely put it on Auburn. That's really hard to do. And that was early in the season before Auburn's season kind of fell off the tracks. Right. So for them to be able to go out there, put a big ass whooping on an Auburn team, which look like Auburn's not great, but you're still sec guys. It's still guys that we're going to see in the NFL. Right. And they did it in a really hard place to play. Penn State, Sean Clifford's not going to be shook by starting a game in Ann Arbor, right? He's he's done that before. He started games in, a, in Ann Arbor multiple times. Sean Clifford's going to be fine. I think Sean Clifford will play well in this game. Um, and I would honestly say it's like I'm taking Penn State to cover, but I think I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line too. I think Penn State is in a really good spot. 
And I, I like what I've seen from them so far. I thought they were going to have a somewhat mediocre season. I think I had them at around eight and a half, nine wins, which is a good season. But for the expectations of Penn State fans, that's not a good season. I think Penn State is going to win this football game. Um, or at least it's going to be a really close game. I don't, I don't think Michigan's offense now, look, they can run the ball. All right, Corum is a really, really good running back. I like the Nittany Lions, which might be the fatal curse. I'm and I can get away with saying that because I'm so I'm doing this solo right now. If Scotty and Vito are here, they'd be like, "Oh well, fuck, we're done." Um, I like Penn State. I'm taking the Lions. All right, last up here. I'm really excited for this game because it's either going to be a really really fun game and Rocky Top is going to be on fire, or Alabama is going to come in and absolutely beat the living shit out of Tennessee. And either way, it's going to be amazing. Right. If the if Alabama comes in and beats the crap out of Tennessee, that you know, it happens, right? That that's that's and if that does happen, you turn off the TV or not turn it, you turn the TV to another game and you watch other game and you just watch the score get bigger and bigger on your phone. Um assuming Bryce Young comes back in this game, which I, I it's still not confirmed whether he will or will or will not start. That's obviously a huge part of this. That being said, Hendon Hooker has been I think the best quarterback in the SEC this year. I mean, statistically, he's been off the charts. Really good athlete. Um, I wish this was a night game. I, it feels like a missed opportunity here to have this not be a night game, but the fucking CBS. And that's the one thing people will say this all the time about CBS and about ESPN taking over the contract, the SEC, and all this stuff. I think that comes into play next. That comes into um, effect next year. This will be the primetime game, right? CBS won't get to say, hey, no, no, we want that game on our 330 spot. This will be the primetime game because ESPN will have it. And there'll be games like this every single year with the SEC. Um, this is a legitimate trap situation here for Bama, and they know it, and everybody knows it. So it's no surprise. So you'd even call it a trap game seems disingenuous to what the game's actually going to be like. But Bama might be in some trouble. My biggest question is, can Alabama, can Tennessee do enough defensively to slow down Alabama? Because we've seen so far, Tennessee's offense is awesome. The defense, yeah, it's been decent. It's been, it's been good. It's been good enough to get them big wins, right? The game against Kentucky, we've seen it a bunch this year. I'm not going to take Tennessee outright, but I think this is actually going to be a really close game. And I'm going to look really stupid when Alabama gets up like 20 points in the first half especially if Bryce Young comes back. But if it's a little bit banged up Bryce Young, they get a sack on him that eh, gets up, doesn't quite feel right. I mean, Bryce Young's a gamer, but I, I can't not take Rocky Top. Seven and a half points at home That in that environment. I think it's been since 2006 since Tennessee's beaten Alabama. It's a long time coming, man. It's a long 16 years. Since Tennessee's beaten Alabama, I don't know if it happens this week, but I do think it's going to be a really close game. So I'm going to take Tennessee plus seven and a half at home. All right. That's all we have for today. Thank you all for listening. I'm sorry for three out of the last four pods. You've just had to listen to my stupid voice. But, um, you know, Scotty was on vacation. We knew that. And Vito, you know, he, he got sick. So we're just hoping that our boy feels better. Uh, we'll be able to talk to him and get him on here hopefully for Tuesday's pod. So everyone have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the football. Like I said, 
tell people no on Saturday when they want to when they want you to go do stuff. Sit on the couch, watch college football, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>